Welcome to the Present Age Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Malloy. Joining me this week is freelance writer Thor Benson. Thor has been writing some really interesting pieces these past few months about the pandemic's potential effects on society and mental health, so I wanted to invite him on to talk it through. Let's get started. Hey, joining me is Thor Benson. Hello. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time to join the uh, join the podcast. Yeah. I am very interested in some of the things you've been writing over at. Uh, I I read the thing, the the two pieces you wrote for N- NBC. NBC. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about those and how they kind of work into your larger work, basically? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So also, they, yeah. Also, you know, let let people know who you are. <laughs> all right, for sure. <laughs> Sorry, um, I'm an independent journalist. I've been doing this for about a decade now. Um, started as a freelancer. Have been a freelancer most of the time, but I've had you know staff jobs here and there. I've written for Daily Beast, The Atlantic, Rolling Stone, NBC, Business Insider, all kinds of people. And um, during most of the time I've been writing, psychology has been a pretty big focus of mine. I do all kinds of science writing and tech writing. And, um, neuroscience also interests me. And when the pandemic started, I was very worried about how it was going to affect people mentally in terms of like being quarantined and, you know, isolation is not good for people. Um, and I, it was necessary, of course, because there's a goddamn pandemic happening. But, <laughs> um, yeah, so I was thinking about that a lot, and they started researching it and talking to experts and writing about it here and there. And then um, I kind of connected with an editor at uh, NBC at some point, and we were talking about different ideas for what kind of articles we could do together. And I was like, I've been really wanting to write this like big, like kind of like all-encompassing article about the psychological effects of the pandemic, and I feel like we've been in it long enough now that we can have some observations and uh, so I reached out to a ton of psychologists and finally found some that actually had data and stuff to to share about how people are dealing with things and it's really interesting and then we kind of parlayed that one into another one about um, you know people were being crazy on airplanes they're still doing it Um, because of mask rules and I think just from being cooped up with each other and being stressed and so I did an article about that too. Well, that's cool. Uh, so, so what kind of stuff did you find when you were when you were talking to to these people? Like, w- was there anything that surprised you, or was it kind of what you expected? Um, I would say the effects of it were expected that people would have anxiety and depression and maybe even PTSD um, from these experiences. Um, what was kind of shocking was how confident everyone I talked to was about if these effects would be long-term and they all seem to think for a lot of people these are going to be long-term effects that won't go away when things go back to quote-unquote normal yeah well that's something that when when we were first chatting about this about uh doing the podcast Mm -hmm. this was you know you sent you sent over your articles and I thought this is perfect because my mental health has been absolute shit <laughs> since the pandemic started. I mean, it wasn't great before the pandemic, but mm-hmm. that's a different story for a different day. <laughs> um, 
yeah so so this is this something i don't i don't know there's something something about just kind of the whole whole world having similar issues that Mm -hmm. makes me feel slightly better but also really worse you know it's that weird kind of like oh i'm not alone oh no the whole world is falling (laughs) apart that sort of that sort of attitude i feel Um, that i mean part part of the reason i was inspired to write about this and why i care about these things is because i've dealt with anxiety and depression throughout my life and so i get it um and so i want to hear what other people have to say about it and what you can maybe do about it. I don't know. <laughs> so, so what can people do about it? Is there anything like that to, to keep themselves from stressing out too much or? Well, I, I could give my personal advice Okay, <laughs> based I mean, on what I know of you uh, know, psychology. Yeah. Um, I think it's good to like, make sure you're not isolating. Maybe don't constantly be ingesting the news. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, just like try to have some perspective, um, you know, just remember that I feel like things are better now than they were in the worst of the pandemic. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, at least I, I'm vaccinated now and can see people and not be so worried. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm still kind of, I don't know. I'm still terrified of catching COVID. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I definitely don't want to. Yeah. Like I, because I've, I don't know. I see people post on like Twitter being like, oh, I uh, got a breakthrough infection this sucks and then they'll be like well i was really sick for like three days but i didn't go to the hospital which great that's good but also i'm going to do whatever i can to not get sick for three days you know just generally speaking you know i mean in normal times i'm not going around licking like doorknobs (laughs) or whatever you know just being like well what's the worst i'm going to catch the flu meningitis well that would would be bad (laughs) but you know, that, that sort of idea. And mm. I, I understand that I'm, I'm lucky in a sense that, you know, it's like, I, I live with my wife and my dog and my cat, you know, we've got this, I, I have not been alone as, as so many people have been. Mm. And I cannot even begin to imagine uh, how, how frustrating and, you know, bad for my mental health. Um, it would be if, yeah. if I were alone, I yeah. mean, that's, and it's something that I'm trying to kind of understand, trying to, trying to understand how we communicate in times where we're apart. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of one of the, the general ideas of the, the newsletter that I'm doing, the yeah. podcast, that sort of thing, how we communicate in, you know, times of hyper-connectedness where we're not even, you know, we're not in the same room, we're not in the yeah. same city, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. Totally. And uh, yeah, so can you tell me a little bit about what's happening on airplanes? So, you know, like, I've often been called overly empathetic. Um, <laughs> when I see people acting this way, I, I'm i like, these are douchebags. But like, I kind of feel bad for them because obviously something's not going right with them. Um, and so I was like, I want to see, you know, I'm not going to excuse any behavior. It's wrong to, you know, be aggressive on airplanes. But I'd like to figure out if there's maybe a reason they're behaving this way. And uh, so I found these two psychologists who were, had done a lot of research into, like, how the psychological effects of the pandemic were playing out people's behavior. and. Um, they said that, yeah, like essentially um, 
you know, when the pandemic started, it was really stressful and we didn't know it was going to happen. And then it just kind of kept going. And so we kind of just had this acute stress response all the time, uh, chronic stress. And so you're always kind of on alert. You're always a little stressed out, even if you don't notice it. Um, and when that builds up over time, people just start lashing out. And especially when things like masks have been so politicized and like everyone's it's us versus them, like it's not surprising that people when they're asked to put on a mask or something, if they have these views would get really aggressive, maybe in ways that they wouldn't otherwise like pre-pandemic. Yeah. Well, and, and, yeah, I understand that to to a certain extent. I mean, I don't think anyone likes wearing a mask. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Some people might not mind it. I mean, personally, I don't I don't mind wearing a mask because I'm always worried like, how my face looks when I'm <laughs> when I'm in public. Like, I worry that yeah, I'm like try having a beard. <laughs> I'm scowling it at looks people. So weird like, with the beard. <laughs> But yeah, so just, it's kind of nice, sort of like I like wearing sunglasses too, because mm-hmm. I like people not being able to see my eyes. It's yeah. very strange, but <laughs> the combo is perfect. It's it's basically being totally in disguise, yeah, no, which, yeah. you know, I was, I was thinking Secret back agent. to uh, a few years back, I remember there were some, some cities uh, that responding to protests about I can't remember what the topic was. I think it might have been Confederate statues, possibly. I don't know. That sounds like a thing people protest. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were some cities around the country that were kind of, um, they were implementing these rules that banned people from wearing masks for a while, which is kind of funny in hindsight, where it's like now we're like, no, 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 please wear a mask. Yeah. Please cover your face. Please don't let us see who you are. Um, but Huh, that's that's interesting. And one one thing I've I've also kind of been thinking a, a lot about when it comes to the pandemic and how how we're adapting to all sorts of things. I mean, even even just on my end, we have this, you know, we we got a a puppy in January 2020. Mm. And so it wasn't the plan for <laughs> us to constantly be, be with it. Yeah, to be constantly around. And now he has these extreme separation anxiety <laughs> issues where we we have to make a point of leaving to try to condition him to be okay with that mm-hmm. sort of stuff and i can't even imagine how that affects people with children or yeah. people who you know they're or people with their extended family members who need in-person care that mm-hmm. that sort of thing i mean is there anything that you've you've been reading about or any anything that came up about those sorts of worries or is that kind of beyond well no there's definitely been some research into it um i haven't read a ton but as far as i can tell this whole situation has been very traumatic for parents and children um parents because you know they're trying to take care of a kid and that's already stressful enough and then you add the pandemic stressors and worried about the kid getting sick and are you getting sick and not being able to take care of the kid or um, and then for the kids, I mean, if they're quite young, they don't know why they're putting this thing on their face and they don't really understand, you know, something as large in scope as a pandemic. And, you know, maybe they weren't able to go to school and see their friends. And so, yeah, it's been really tough. For those oh, yeah. Kids. I mean, I'm, I'm sure. And that kind of, kind of brings me a little bit to, 
to the the other piece you sent me, the the one for the news station that was about climate anxiety and yeah. declining birth rates. Yeah. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that piece? Yeah. So I want to say, as I do in the piece right away, that I think the biggest factor in declining birth rates is economics. <laughs> it's really expensive and income inequality is bad. Uh, <laughs> but there's also, I believe, some psychological components there. Um, you know, like we just have a really uncertain future we're facing. And especially when you're going through a pandemic, you think about climate change and you're like, things are only going to get worse from here. Um, and that might make you, you know, less likely to have children or maybe have fewer children. Um, research seems to show that people are kind of like okay with the idea of replacing themselves, but they don't want to go beyond that. Like, so maybe they'll have two kids. Um, and, uh, yeah. Um, and a lot of people seem to be worried about if by having kids, they'll be contributing to climate change because, you know, kids use up resources like we all do. So. Yeah, yeah, that's. I don't. I don't know. I've. I think the one thing that that kind of came out of the pandemic for me is is just the fact that. Um, I, I I think. Let me see. How do I phrase this? I think the one thing that really hit home when it came to the pandemic that really kind of stuck with me is just sort of those existential mm. questions of, you, you know, uh, humanity <laughs> living on. Cause for a while, I, for a long time, I didn't really think, think about that much. And I didn't think, you know, anything I thought, Oh, a thousand years from now, there'll be people doing whatever. But now I'm honestly like, I don't know, maybe we got a hundred, 200 years left tops, you know, like yeah. these, these sorts of things that obviously will not personally affect me in, in the sense that like going extinct, Yeah. but uh, there, there is that aspect of it where I'm just sort of like, where, where I'm just sort of kind of, my mind has been blown by these sorts of existential threats to humanity that, yeah. that kind of stick around. And I don't know, one thing I've been thinking a lot about is just the fact that at some point in the future, no matter how famous a person is, mm -hmm. there will come a time where no one remembers that person, mm -hmm. you know, wh whether it's, uh, 500 years, a thousand years from now. And it's, it's just sort of weird. And I, I kind of blame the pandemic for, for sending me down a full, full philosophical uh, <laughs> rabbit hole that, that has <laughs> ended up there. <laughs> well, I think one of the things the pandemic did to people's minds is like, and I feel this all the time is it makes us think about such big things. And it's hard to think about big things all the time. Like, like I'm like, Throughout the day, I'm like, oh, like, how are infection rates in France? Like, <laughs> like, I'm never looking up health stats in France or like Japan or something like pre-pandemic, uh, unless I'm working on an article like that. Um, but yeah, you constantly have to think globally and like, same with climate change. It's like, we're all screwed <laughs> kind of feeling. And it's like, you know, like, I think you're best mentally when you're very focused on just what's around you, you know, like. I'm walking down the street, going to meet up with my buddy, like grab a sandwich on the way. Like that's very simple and easy to think about, <laughs> not like the end of humanity. <laughs> yeah. And that is, 
God, that is that is something I'm trying to kind of work towards to to think be more in the moment, yeah. Rather than rather than thinking about how everything could kind of fall apart, <laughs> it's it's difficult. It I mean, it's easy to spiral. Yeah. Well, and one thing one thing with the pandemic that that I can't quite get over is just the fact that just the fact that. I don't know. My my one hope for climate change was that, hey, there's this big problem. We'll come together and solve wow. it. And it it seemed maybe maybe slightly maybe a little bit of wishful thinking, but now there's this big problem, and we've found a way to make it so much worse mm. with the with the pandemic. People refusing to wear a mask, which is like the mildest inconvenience possible. <laughs> Uh, people being asked not to, you know, n- not to go to Applebee's or something for six months. <laughs> you know, these these things, people were like, this is tyranny and I will fight it. And you're just like, what are you even doing, man? Why? And I, th- I think that part of it comes down to just that there are people who a big part of their personality is they don't like being told what to do, mm-hmm. even if it's beneficial for themselves and others. And honestly, if it was just themselves, I wouldn't really care. Mm-hmm. I, I would be like, fine, make the decisions about your life that right. are going to affect your life. But, you know, when we have 30% of the country that refuses to, you know, get a uh, get vaccinated or refuses to wear a mask, that sort of stuff, it just drags this whole thing mm-hmm. on. So I'm, I'm worried about climate change. And that's <laughs> something that... That's something that, uh, while I was certainly worried about before the pandemic, has only gotten more intense. Yeah. Um, any uh, any any words of words of wisdom or anything you've learned along the way on, uh, on that sort of topic? Well, to start, I'll say. Let me just say, I may or may not be writing an article you'll be very interested in. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so, secondly, um, I mean, yeah, it's everything's so polarized these days and it, it, it infects everything uh you would think certain times we could come together and i think we've seen that that doesn't seem to be the case yeah well there's i'm, I'm trying to think of who who wrote this thing there was an article that some conservative dude let me let me just find it uh, uh no, can't find it. Any, <laughs> I, I googled "won't get vaccinated because it makes you mad," and <laughs> and it didn't turn up what I what I wanted to. But there was there was this conservative dude who wrote an article mm-hmm. uh, right when vaccines kind of got made available, and was just like, I, "I'm not opposed to vaccines, but I'm not getting it because it makes you mad, and that's what I want." Oh, and, like it makes us mad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It makes us mad. <laughs> I was like, like. <laughs> You get the injections and you're raging. (laughs) (laughs) It's the 28 days later virus. (laughs) But, but you know, it's that, that sort of own the libs kind of ethos. There are a lot of people on that side of the aisle uh, who, yeah, it's the own the lib thing. Uh, Being contrarian is a personality somehow. (laughs) Yeah. And, I mean, I I, I, I feel like a lot of them like, work at the Daily Wire. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I feel like if I leaned into the contrarian angle on things, that uh, I would have 
significantly more subscribers on oh, Substack. Yeah. You know, it's like every every once in a while, I'm just like, should just I should just sell out. I should just <laughs> just start advocating against my own rights and right. stuff, and you know, oh, yeah, make make bank being like trans people shouldn't be allowed blah 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 you yeah. know like stuff like that like there and there are trans people that do that and they do well yeah. for themselves so i don't know the, or <laughs> it, I, I guess that sort of speaks to our <laughs> extremely broken media ecosystem yeah, but yeah, yeah I don't tweet about that a lot <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> and 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 that's why that's why when when the advice is Maybe don't follow the news, super, you know, all the time. It's like when I was at Media Matters, I mean, that that's kind of kind of what happens. Like I kind of reached that sort of breaking point where I was like, I, I can't watch the news every day, all day. And then when you get into 2022, it's just going to be nonstop election stuff for the entire year. And then beyond that, once you're past the midterms, it becomes presidential election season. So it's like, yeah. it's just never going to end. <laughs> I know. Like right after biden was inaugurated they're like so is trump running in 2024 i was like can we have a moment <laughs> yeah that was god it's so it's so exhausting but at the same time i, I feel like it's important and i feel i feel yeah. like the work that we do that the types the type of journalism uh you know that, that we do mm -hmm. the, these pieces by you are very important in that in that sort of um regard they make the world a better place by existing because they help explain the world you know you're not your work doesn't sit there and say republicans are morons you know <laughs> no that's my you know. twitter yeah <laughs> but but these articles are great and i really wish that more people would i i wish that the stuff that you wrote was as popular <laughs> as whatever the hell ben shapiro is writing right. today on his <laughs> blog at and you could pick any day, any day, whatever Ben's writing is probably bad. So, <laughs> you know, that, that sort of idea, but all I ever see is, is the little video clips. Every yeah. He's, he's, he's something else, but <laughs> uh, I'm trying to, trying to think. Um, I was going to ask you something, but then I totally forgot. <laughs> Let's see if it comes back to me. How's it been going? Uh, you know, doing the newsletter thing. And all that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So doing the newsletter has been uh, it's it's slow going. It's uh, it's it's been very gradual. It's steady growth. But, um, you know, uh, I'm not quite where I need to be financially. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> but, that. but that 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 may change. I'm before before I left my job at Media Matters, I, I made sure that I had kind of a little bit of stability underneath mm. me to kind of hold hold me over while I tried to build this this sort of thing. And so it's it's been slow going, but I really like the freedom to write about whatever I want and yeah. not have to pitch it and not have to right. make it fit some editor's idea of what I should have. Right. Um, but sometimes that results in my pieces just being long and rambling, <laughs> chaotic for no I reason. I tried to do the newsletter thing and I just couldn't seem to like pick a lane. Like I was just yeah, like, I'm going to share a fiction piece and then I'm going to write about like <laughs> something Republicans are doing. And then I was like, this is not. Yeah. That, that, 
Well, that's, you know, that's, I mean, another reason that I decided to pick something that was just super broad. Communication. Yeah. That means yeah. everything. <laughs> everything is communication. Sending emails, communication. Watching TV, sure. You know, that that's, yeah. that sort of stuff. But I don't know. I'm I'm kind of excited about the the future of journalism in, in that sort of sense and that there are these avenues that are outside of traditional publications because I know free freelancing, um, which was kind of initially my, my plan was to, was to freelance. I, it's just so annoying having to pitch things <laughs> and to get rejected or to not even hear back. That's always, mm. that's always the worst where I almost never get a response to my first email. I always have to follow it's, up. It's so frustrating. And so it, it finally got to the point where I stopped pitching like op-eds to places like New York Times yeah. and Wall, or it, Washington Post, not Wall Street Journal. I would never, <laughs> <laughs> they would never do that. But, um, you know, it's these sorts of, uh, these sorts of things where I'm just kind of like, if someone wants me to write a freelance piece for, for them, they will reach out and then I yeah. will assess it. But you know, how, how's, how's freelancing going? Just uh, it's good. So mm -hmm. you, uh, you probably saw I was in Europe for a while. Um, so while I was there, I was trying to keep it going, like, but also have, enjoy the trip. <laughs> so I was like kind of doing like half as much work as usual. Um, and so now I've been back for uh, like three weeks and, you know, had to ramp things up again and, and things are going well. Uh, I'm uh, doing some good freelancing with, I don't know if I'm allowed to say, uh, but, <laughs> but basically someone who I used to work with a lot is uh, bringing me back into the fold um, after the section that I wrote for closed for a while. <laughs> well, that's cool. That's cool and cryptic. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, is there anything else uh, before before we wrap this up? Is there anything else you want to to add or where can people find you online? Anything you want to plug? Um, I mean, yeah, just follow me on Twitter, friends. Uh, it's Thor underscore Benson, B-E-N-S-O-N. Thor like the superhero because everyone thinks it's Thorn for some reason. When I say Thorn. <laughs> I I, w I was debating when we were going when I was setting up. I was like I should just come prepared with like all sorts of questions as though I thought I was scheduling <laughs> an interview with like Chris Hemsworth or something. <laughs> I'm 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 sure I'm sure that doesn't get old. Uh, I'm used to it. It's just part of my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, but yeah. Cool. Well, that's great. I will, um, you know, I'll be sure to link to all of your work in, um, sure. in, in the transcript of this. And I will, you know, to do that, people can go to readthepresentage.com. Cool. Cool. Thanks for, thanks for stopping by. <laughs> yeah. Good to be here. Thanks to Thor Benson for stopping by. As always, you can find a full transcript of today's episode at readthepresentage.com.